0: Hey everybody, welcome to Artist Soapbox. Artist Soapbox is a podcast featuring triangle area artists talking about their work, their plans, their manifestos. I am your host, Tamara Kassane. Have you ever written with other people? I don't mean in the same room, all quietly chipping away at your own individual writing. I mean, have you ever collaborated during the creation phase Writer's room style, where you're together breaking the story, pitching ideas, fleshing out characters, debating storylines on a shared project? If you have done this, how did it go? What worked? What didn't? What are the pros and cons? What did you learn about yourself? If you haven't, does that kind of writing process interest you? How do you imagine it would go? What's your ideal collaborative writing experience? So I'm a steadfast introvert, and I've done a lot of writing on my own. I'm comfortable doing that. However, under the right circumstances and with the right people for me, creative collaboration is my happiest, happy place. It is the best. And that brings me to this episode The first of two that I'm releasing about writing scripted audio fiction collaboratively. If you've been following Artist Soapbox, you may know that we have two writing teams, each working on an original audio drama serial. The umbrella name for the writing teams is the Soapbox Audio Collective. Team 1 is writing a series called Jesus Pancake, and Team 2 is writing a series yet to be titled which we are temporarily calling... The Last Glacier Hotel. Although the approaches of the teams have been different, both groups have completed writing an entire season of their audio drama. That's nine episodes each, which works out to about three to four hours of content per season. Both episodes were written in less than one year. These two podcast episodes are a window into our collaborative writing process and include things we learned, tips for other writers who might want to try this, and tantalizing details about the stories of Jesus Pancake and The Last Glacier Hotel. I hope you glean some ideas and inspiration and feel encouraged to collaborate with others if that's something you feel inclined to do. Doing it all alone is a valid option if that suits you, but it's not the only option. In this episode, you'll hear from the Soapbox Audio Collective Writing Team 1 that includes Juliana Finch, Katie Coop, Mara Thomas, and me, Tamara Kassane. Together, we're writing Jesus Pancake. You may remember Juliana, Katie, and Mara from previous episodes And Mara also wrote about a dozen awesome blog posts on the Artist Soapbox website. I'll include their bios in the show notes. As you'll hear in our conversation, I had already started Jesus Pancake when I brought the other writers on board. I had already written the first three episodes and workshopped them at University Theater at NC State. Also, special thanks to the improv group Third Date for helping me even prior to that when I had a bad case of writer's block. Juliana, Katie, Mara, and I met for the first time in September 2019 and met monthly in person until the lockdown in March 2020. Our approach to writing episodes four to nine was to each write parts of the same episode at the same time. And this is different than Soapbox Audio Collective Writing Team 2 that you'll hear about in the next episode. So for Jesus Pancake, we'd plan out the general beats of an episode, and then all go off and write what spoke to us about that particular episode. Sometimes, everyone wrote the same scene, but in different ways with their own particular points of view and turns of phrase. Sometimes, we all skipped writing the same scene, (laughs) which made for an interesting conversation at the next meeting. What wasn't making sense or wasn't compelling about that particular part of the episode? After everybody had written for one episode, I took all of the writing and then I Frankensteined it. I pulled bits and pieces from each person's writing to create something that was more than the sum of its parts. It was super fun. We had a reading of the completed season of Jesus Pancake, all nine episodes, over three Zoom meetings in the summer of 2020. The Jesus Pancake audio drama is set in America in the recent past, has a small to medium-sized cast, it has songs, it's about a middle-aged woman who sees Jesus on her pancake and thinks it gives her superpowers. (laughs) So, when will you be hearing The Last Glacier Hotel and Jesus Pancake scripted audio dramas with immersive sound design? Well, the answer is, not for a while. At this moment, due to many factors, including the complexity of the story, the size of the casts, and the length of the pieces, we are planning to record these in-studio, in-person. But we'll need to wait until it's safe to do so. We'll also need some time to amass the funding required to pay all of the artists involved. What can you do in the meantime? To enjoy scripted audio dramas produced by Artist Soapbox? Well, you can listen to Master Builder, The New Colossus, and the recently released Declaration of Love audio anthology. You can also become a patron via Patreon, where you'll have access to new micro and short fiction pieces, which are scheduled for release to our patrons in 2021. For links, pop on over to artistsoapbox.org or patreon.com slash I'll also include them in the show notes. Writing with the Soapbox Audio Collective teams over the course of last year and this year has been a wonderful way for me to make significant progress on my projects. And especially this year, it's helped me feel connected to other artists in my community. I think you'll hear from my laughter and the lightness in my voice how much I enjoyed this collaboration Here's to working together, friends, in the writing room and beyond. Enjoy this episode. Hello, friends, Katie, Mara, and Juliana. I'm so happy to be with you on this call. It's been a while since we were together. I know. Good to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we had a lot of in-person meetings, which is nice. I I talked to the writers who are working on the second Soapbox Audio Collective writers team a couple of days ago, and we only met once or maybe twice, and then everything else has been entirely Zoom. But I was so lucky to have had the opportunity to sit with the three of you in person for like six meetings, maybe. It feels luxurious to think about now.
1: It was definitely one of the last in person creative things i got to do before everything kind of changed.
0: Yeah. yeah. Mhm. I feel like I, if i had known then what i know now, i would have like held
2: your hands through the whole meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Can i have a rain check on the hand holding? i think i might need it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm sort of i feel like i
0: need to warn people when we actually are allowed to be back and, you know, together and in public and breathe each other's air that i'm just going to be like constantly touching people. (laughs) I'll have to check with them first, but the urge is strong already. Yeah, I feel that. Today, I should say tonight, because we are recording on a Saturday evening, an exciting Saturday evening on Zencaster, we're going to talk about Soapbox Audio Collective Writers Team 1. We have created together the first season of Jesus Pancake, so I would like to know from you why you opted to join the Soapbox Audio Collective writers team, because everything was pretty amorphous. I had never done this before, so I put a kind of vague description out there, and you all three jumped in, which I was so delighted uh, for. So can you tell me why this interested you, why you decided to do
1: it? I'll go. This popped up at a time in my life when I was just starting to get more into writing scripts and screenplays. And obviously, I had met you before, and we'd done an interview and thought the opportunity to work with you would be great. And that working collaboratively would be awesome. Just like with my music, which is my primary thing or my primary job in a time when we are not in a pandemic. I much prefer to play with others rather than by myself. And so the idea of working with a group on something totally new uh, was super exciting. And I was really thrilled to be able to sign up for it.
2: And similarly for me, uh, this is Mara. Hey, everybody. I was coming off of a writing project that was a solo writing project that I really struggled with. And it was my own piece. And I just had a really difficult time trying to get anything. I never felt like I got into flow. It was just really tough. It was a hard, hard piece. So the idea of working on something that wasn't my own, but I could lend my voice to it, lend my ideas, as well as working as part of a group and brainstorming ideas together and coming up with stuff. It just, for me, there was a little less pressure and it was like the fun parts and not the responsibility. Mm. And that really felt great to me. And I had read, I think you had posted the first three episodes that you'd written. So just knowing a little bit what the story was going to be about was so fun, uh, just to to do something completely different than I had been working on before. And yeah.
3: Well, I'd been wanting to join a writer's room for a while, and they don't like often pop up in this area. And so it was a cool opportunity. And I'd heard about the Colossus, And that seemed really cool. And I had worked briefly with you right after the Moors about doing research for Jesus Pancake. Oh, yeah. That sort of (laughs) fell off. And I was like, that was cool. And I hadn't really, I was kind of in a burnout writing stage. So I thought it might be a good opportunity to try to like not be burned out. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes other people can be
0: motivational (laughs) for me. Absolutely. Mara, you mentioned that you had read and all three of you had read the first three episodes of Jesus Pancake, which I wrote by myself. I'm wondering what it was like to start in the, well, and not necessarily in the middle because it was really only the first third of the season, but to have already had that amount of content created, did you feel like that was a pro or a con in continuing to write the season? That's a question for all of you.
2: Well, I think, you know, from a writing and even an acting perspective, you had had just enough information about Amy, the main character, uh, that there were lots of questions and not a lot of answers. So we certainly weren't painted into a corner as far as like what her character was going to be or where the story was going to go. The first three episodes to me just felt like opening a lot of boxes. And then when we all got in a room and started just throwing ideas at the wall, you know, some things came out that I don't think you had probably expected. And, you know, I certainly didn't see coming. And those were directions that we've, you know, taken it over the course of the nine episodes. To me, it's having just those little nuggets of information like, what does that mean? And how, you know, how does that inform her character? And how can we, you know, one of the things we, I remember talking about was like banging the drum of isolation or, you know, when you're writing something like this, you take your protagonist and just make it worse and turn up the volume on the badness and the bad things that happen to them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So how can you ratchet that up and keep that tension alive? I thought it was really, really great. I thought it was, for me, it was great not to start from scratch and to have, again, things that just felt like jumping off points for all of us to collaborate on.
1: I agree. I think it was absolutely a pro for me. It To me, it felt like the way a showrunner would have a pilot written for a TV show. And then we get in the room together with the team to figure out what the season looks like. So it didn't feel weird at all. It felt absolutely the way it should have gone. And yeah, everything Mara said of just having all of these questions to answer, it was very exciting to have that foundation to go from.
3: Yeah. It felt like kind of a prompt so we didn't have to start from nowhere. There are a lot of like interesting parts of the first three episodes that were able to help us spin off in different directions.
0: I have very fond memories, as as I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, about hanging out at our wonderful Juliana's. Home with your animals who were so, so delightful to be with. It felt so comfortable and cozy and welcoming and easy. I can very clearly picture that time together. I'm wondering, you know, from a writing perspective, of course, like what your memories were of those meetings? How did we even do this?
3: We had like a lot of discussions of like the whole world what she was tapping into, like, is she a superhero? Is she like, a future wellness influencer? And just like the whole world, we were able to build it out, even though there was already stuff written.
1: Yeah, being in the room together was super helpful of being able to bounce ideas back and forth in real time. It felt really good, because something that someone said might prompt someone else to get really excited about something. And it went in directions that we never could have predicted and that I don't think it would have gone if we were even all working separately, collaboratively being in a room together was a different type of energy. And I have very fond memories of that also of, of sitting around on the couch and, and just throwing all of these ideas out there and not being worried that it was going to sound stupid or it was going to be too wild. I think everyone was super supportive of taking this wherever it needed to go and it felt very comfortable and very supportive
0: and there was tea also
1: <laughs> important <laughs> ingredient
2: and i i remember that sort of zooming in and zooming out you know th- when we would zoom out and look at the story we were telling and the world we were building you, and looking at the archetypes that were coming into play or the you know okay we've we've heard stories done where this is the outcome, where this happens to a person in this position, and do we work with that? do we work against that? you know how where do we want to take our story? you know and then getting into the minutia of like little nitty-gritty details of like what does it mean when she has these seeds in her mouth? you know and yeah, so it it, it was just it, for me that's that's so rewarding and one thing I love about collaborating to to hear other people's ideas of what those little details mean to them or what they project onto these things and then how that becomes, it serves this bigger archetype or a bigger story arc.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like it was a a brain trust of sorts because we all have different experiences and different knowledge we all have different life experiences although we did find some similarities in our backgrounds that i didn't know and didn't anticipate until we were having conversations but the beautiful thing is that everybody brings their own perspective and their and things that they catch that other people don't and it was it was just such a nice way of bouncing things around until until somebody felt snagged by that you know and i was thinking about it in terms of building the sidewalk as you walk along because we would plot out what we thought the next episode or next couple episodes would be. But then when we got there, we're like, okay, wait, no, <laughs> like, let's let's build it in a different direction, you know? And so it was uh, the process of revealing what this is as we were building it. That didn't frighten me. I, I knew we were capable of doing it. It was just the end was not at all what I anticipated when I started out. I want to throw out an idea and tell me if you think this is off base. It felt to me like this audio series has, I don't know how to explain this. So maybe you can help me. Our protagonist is a woman and it felt like that was the perspective and maybe even the process that we, that encapsulated like this experience. It felt very woman centric in a way that I really enjoyed, but am I making that up or did you also feel that way?
1: I definitely felt that way in a positive sense. It's also the first time I've been in a writing environment like that. Yeah. The themes, I think the themes were reflective of things that we were all experiencing and, or had experienced even though it was in this fantastical situation. You know, for me, it was really channeling a lot of my like feminine rage mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. in a in a constructive way and being able to come at some of these things that are lived experiences for a lot of feminine and woman people that wasn't direct, but I think does really speak to people who have had that experience.
2: I think I would say that it wasn't remarkable to me, but in a good way that mm-hmm. I w- it's not like I, ha- I needed to fight to get my point of view heard. <laughs> <You> know. <laughs> and I think that's what it is for me mm-hmm. that, that this is a room where it, that's a given, you know, that is a given that we believe people who have these experiences or have this point of view. So only in retrospect now, am I thinking about it that way that Like, oh, yeah, it felt totally normal, because I didn't feel like I walked away from it being shut down every other minute. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or somebody else taking my idea and passing it off as theirs. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's sort of part of what I
1: what I meant. And I appreciate Mara saying this when earlier I was saying the room felt so safe and supportive. I think it was because of who was in the room, because we just I didn't worry that I wasn't going to be able to speak. I didn't worry that my idea was going to be mocked. Mm. And unfortunately, that's the norm in in some other writing situations. Wow. That doesn't sound very encouraging to writers.
0: (laughs) I would not want to be in that situation. That sounds awful.
1: I mean, there's definitely a culture of like teasing, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Teasing that can sometimes be insensitive, and um and definitely talking over each other and like trying to jump in and make sure your thing is the best thing. And I really felt that rather than being competitive, this room to me felt like we were all trying to figure out what is the best thing collectively. And I don't think I'd had that specific experience before.
0: Yeah, I felt like people were on board to serve the story uh, because we there was a, an agreement like we are making this together. Let's make something really awesome together. <laughs> and that was such a relief to me because. I did write the three episodes, but I knew that I would never finish this if I didn't have other brains and other writers working on it. I didn't know how to finish it alone, or I would have, you know, because I don't know if I ever mentioned this to you all, but the first document that I have from Jesus on Jesus Pancake was from August of 2017. So... It's been hanging out for a while, and you all didn't come on board until September of 2019, and here we are in 2020. So this is a long walk uh, <laughs> that I've had with this story, and I needed help seeing it through. So I'm very, very grateful to you that you were able to to help me like see this to some sort of a conclusion, even though it's only a like season one conclusion. It feels very significant
3: to me. Katie,
0: did you have anything you wanted to say about the writer's room experience?
3: Yeah, it definitely did feel like a safe woman space, though I am I do tend to be drawn to those types of spaces in general, but what I found was super interesting is we start from this like really absurd premise and a play. <laughs> and then it just grows into like the absurdism of being constrained and trapped and like expansion which seems like a very womany story thing
0: that's interesting
3: yeah it's sort of like absurdism of feeling trapped by like i guess white supremacy and the patriarchy and allowing yourself to explode or expand Mm-hmm. And like fully be yourself. And she's dealing with family trauma and stuff also reverberating from that. So it did, it does feel like, you know, this is female absurdism or surrealism.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm always trying to work some things out <laughs> in whatever I write. <laughs> and then I'm always surprised. I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> I guess it was obvious
3: to everybody else. Like, it <laughs> wasn't <laughs> obvious to me. <laughs> I didn't even realize it until, like, the read-through. <laughs> Last episode, I was like, holy shit. Trying to work some things out. <laughs> trying to send uh,
0: everyone a message.
1: <laughs> I- I'm still trying to work some things out. Were we supposed to have it worked out?
0: Yeah. by now? <laughs> Let's talk about the read-through. So we had the enjoyable experience of having some of our good friends and artists read through the first nine episodes on a Zoom call not too many months ago. And... For me, at least, it was extraordinarily helpful. And as we move into this rewriting of, you know, sort of phase two, now that the first episodes have been written, now they all need to be edited and revised and and that sort of thing. And hearing it out loud and then getting feedback from people was enormously helpful. How did you find the value of that read-through?
2: I think uh, one thing that we all touched on when we sort of circled back as writers was the impact of hearing different characters voiced by different people. So, you know, just we have an idea of what Amy sounds like, but then two people read her very differently or, you know, Jem or any of the other characters. So just in that there's room to be surprised about who you thought might, may have thought this character was. And then somebody kind of cracks open a new, element of their personality or just the way that they are. I think that's just such a valuable element to get from a read through that the actors, of course, bring themselves and their interpretation of the words. And again, like they're going to bring ideas that even though we've all been working on it for months, didn't occur to us until they say it, or we all hear it out loud.
1: I found it extremely helpful. And of course, a script is not its not a novel, right? It's not a complete thing on its own. It's meant to be read out loud, especially in audio drama. And so it felt more complete to be able to hear actors do it. And also just it came at a time where we were in the middle of lockdown and just getting to see and work with other artists for a little while was really wonderful. And they all had such great feedback and points and just getting to hear these characters outside of our own heads was really incredible. I loved it.
3: Yeah. Sarah, my sister was in the read through and I'd like talk to her about the script, but it was interesting to like have her read it and then also have questions about it. Hmm. Like it was like, yeah, there's, there's microwaves and superpowers and a performer. And radio conspiracy theorists and spiders. But like, it, I obviously didn't realize she didn't understand what I was talking about.
0: The beautiful thing is that that didn't seem at all absurd as we were breaking the story in the writer's room. We're like, yeah, of course, in this world, that makes perfect sense. Which is what I appreciated about the three of you so much is that you were willing to go on this journey, which, you know, is odd as as you look back on it, but made it just made sense. And it felt good to be able to be in a space where I could trust that you would take whatever ideas came out of my mouth and your mouths and we would be like, yeah, yeah, that sounds, let's build on that. I found with the Zoom read-through, it was easier for me to have a little bit of distance and close my eyes. So hearing it as an audio piece was just slightly easier. I mean, I didn't look at, I just closed my eyes and i didn't look at anybody. And some of the actors turned their cameras off entirely, which I thought was interesting. So maybe for the actors, being able to see each other and act with each other might have been helpful. But for me as a listener, having that distance, I think actually helped me hear it in what I think will be its final form. If I'm in the room with people like my listening ears get really skewed by sort of the physical vibrations of people being around, you know? So that was kind of interesting. We've mentioned this character Amy a couple of times and there are several other characters who continue throughout the whole season. Not a lot, not a lot of characters that we hear from in more than just a couple of episodes, but Amy is kind of the through line. I'm curious about what your experience was of writing the voice of a character that perhaps somebody else created um there were characters that you all created that then you know were passed on to other people and um what was that like
1: it was really fun for me to be able to it felt like doing a puzzle together hmm. it was fun to sort of try to get into the mind of other writers and think about where they might have thought it was going and then make sure that I'm also adding something and then see what the character themselves wants to be and wants to become. I thought it was really fun to do that. Sometimes a character that you had come up with or an idea you had come up with would become something else in someone else's hands. And that experience also was really fun. It can be a little bit scary if you're being very precious with your own ideas and your words. But I think all of us were kind of up for just seeing what happened. And so it felt very full of opportunity and really kind of thrilling to see what would happen.
2: I would agree with that, that again, for me, there was so much less pressure because this wasn't my baby. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't phoning it in or anything. I just, I, you know, I, I really appreciated that at the, from the very beginning, it was very clear that like, this is, this is Tamra's gig. Like we're going to turn in stuff and Tamara's going to pick what she likes and put it together. And like, that's just the way it is. And I really like that clarity. And for once those parameters are set, then for me, like all of, all of the, any competition or possessiveness or anything just falls away. So I just kind of let my mind go and do whatever. Cause I've, you know, learned over the years that 99% of the time, the thing that i think is the most garbage line ends up being like somebody else's favorite line <laughs> so like i'm the worst judge of what i'm writing so just let let myself go and the more we went along the more it seemed to be clear that, you know, you would pick thing, you know, certain, you know, a a scene that one person wrote worked really well. And then, you know, another person maybe was like really kind of nailing the voice of a certain character or, or the way that they wrote a character kind of opened a door for more ideas. But yeah, I, I just having like less pressure of it not being my own thing. And also just knowing that I'm, I'm in the room with such quality writers that, it doesn't, it like, it doesn't matter. Whatever I write, I, I write. And whether you use all of it or none of it, it's all, it's all going to serve the, the bigger picture.
1: Yeah. I really wish I could bo- like bottle that feeling and have that when I'm writing something by myself.
2: Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah.
3: It was nice to have like, you know, here's a deadline you have, you have to make sure to just like throw anything that sticks onto a Google Doc Uh, by this day. And, you know, I can't set my own deadlines, but if there's like a deadline, it's like, oh, I can do it. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go crazy on the grandma. That's what I'm gonna do.
0: Yeah, it was interesting because, tell me if I'm wrong about this, but my memory is that we were all kind of writing the same episode at the same time. So it wasn't like, all right, you have six and then you have five and you have seven, you know what I mean? We were all kind of writing in the same document, like in the same episode, but different scenes or maybe different takes on the same scene. And I can tell you reading through those was the most exciting and delightful times of my life because, you know, Mari, you talked about pressure and it was such a relief to just see all of this goodness that I didn't have to come up with. And I was like, I was sort of spoiled for choice because it was basically like, oh my gosh, I could, I could grab this from Katie. I could grab this from Mara. I could grab this from Juliana and like put it all together and Frankenstein this thing. And it was like, so awesome. It was really, really amazing, like mosaic experience. And I just, I loved it. I loved it.
2: One thing I loved about that in particular, the, where we would each sort of take our own Stab at writing the the episode or the scene, like we all knew we need to get from A to b like at, at some point in these pages, this thing needs to happen beyond that, your imagination can just run unfettered. Whereas I think if I had been tasked with like writing a specific episode and I knew that that episode was up to me, even that would have been a little bit more pressure. Cause like, what if I didn't do it right? What if I didn't, what if my ideas were no good? You know, knowing that we all were sort of throwing the ideas into the same pot and then you could Frankenstein it. I don't know for, how, for whatever reason, it's my first collaborative experience writing this way. So I don't, can't speak to any other experience, but that really worked for me knowing that I could just throw my own vomit out there <laughs> and <you could> sit <laughs> through it and pan for gold. It, it was perfect. It was really
1: helpful for me, too, because I tend to not write linearly. So writing like a plot where A happens and then B happens and then C happens. So I felt like it was okay for me to say, here's a snippet of a thing and I don't know where it goes. But I wrote this thing and I'm going to put it up here and we can figure out later where it belongs. Um, Was really liberating because I didn't feel like I had to write in order.
0: And you wrote that cool thing that I want to use in season 2 that I'm not going to say about right now but da, da, da. Da, da, da. but that was I'm so sad that we can't use that in season 1 for me just reading that gave a lot of depth to what is happening in season 1 I was like oh that's how that is going to go like you know what I mean? like now we need to like walk that back and make it make Sense, but it just informs it's sort of like the show Bible, you know what I mean? It's like adding to the show Bible by projecting into the future. It's like this might be a cool reveal next season, and we have to head in that direction, even now.
1: Yeah, when you are writing a whole season at a time, you get to do that kind of writerly time travel, which is really fun. Where something, you know, someone would come up with something much later, and then we would go make sure everything leading up to it fit. I think that's really fun, too. That's another like piece of that puzzle making that i find really exciting
3: yeah it was really cool writing collaboratively it took the pressure off um it was cool to just like explore some like weird ideas and then talk about it and talk how it can like fit into the big picture and just like learn about stuff that you would have never thought of like particular types of tattoos yeah that was a surprise for sure
1: tattoo safety
0: What are some tips that you could give to people who want to do this kind of thing?
3: It's, it's tough, I guess. Um, I liked how we set deadlines and we're all able to just like work together and just like be willing to
2: like, yes, and your way through it. Yeah, I, I struggle to think of advice to give somebody who is starting from scratch. You know, I feel like you already set the stage for us to just come in and join you. So like, we already kind of knew what we would be writing about. It wasn't, you know, we didn't have to invent an idea. And we knew the parameters and all that. I think in terms of like
1: writing collaboratively, if somebody is looking to do that, a a tip that I can think of is just to not be too worried about putting your idea out into the room. Mm -hmm. Like, just let it go. And don't worry if it's Not going to be the one that ends up in the script because even just talking through that stuff in a group leads you to where you're ultimately going to go. So you just have to be willing to be vulnerable in the room with your fellow writers, and hopefully, you're in a situation where you feel really comfortable with those people because I think that's where the best work is going to come out. And if there's an idea that you're really, really tied to, be willing to fight for it, but otherwise. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, just let it go. And don't worry too much, like, because there's going to be another idea. Your one idea is not the only idea you're ever going to have.
0: Well, and I feel like the ideas, they're sort of like rungs on a ladder, right? So it might not be the final idea that is used, but that idea was how we climbed up to the next idea. You know, it was like this really interesting scaffolding process. Like, oh, well, that makes me think of that. Well, that makes me think of that. Well, let's go the over here, you know? And so it's, it's that cumulative, like more than the sum of its parts kind of experience where you end up with something that, you know, you never intended and how you got there was <laughs> sort of mysterious, but it was all in the potion.
1: Yeah. And it wouldn't have happened if, if you hadn't come up with those other things first.
0: And it might not have even happened like on another day or two hours later or something like that. It was like in that moment, things kind of came together in that way, which was ah magic. Well, it's
2: magic. It's not- That reminds me just of, you know, some words of wisdom from devising, you know, hold on tightly, let go lightly, you know, that like stick with it, but then when it's time to let it go, let it go. It's a little echoing what Juliana said that, you know, if you really believe in your thing, absolutely, like make, make your claim for it, but also... Be able to let it go or be able to let things, you know, if you thought that you had an idea for how season one was going to turn out and now we're at someplace completely different. Allow yourself that freedom and flexibility to be surprised and to take things in different directions. And yeah, I mean, this is just me speaking for myself, but... Just just let the words out, like get it out. D- don't judge yourself before you even put the words on the page. Like let the words come out. And again, for me, like I would throw away 99% of what I write. So, you know, someone else can find that thing that you don't think is any good. And then it ends up changing some element of the story. So
0: bravery, <laughs> be brave. Well, everyone's contributions change the trajectory of the story enormously because I wrote those first three episodes, but I remember pretty clearly sitting with you all and being like, I don't know what to do next. Like (laughs) it wasn't like I had another idea after that. The, the idea that I had in my mind when I thought this was going to be a stage play is so different from what we ended up with light years different. And so you added so much fuel to make the engine go. And I, and I appreciate that. Can we talk about writing for audio Tell me what your perspective was about writing for this medium, you know, in the beginning. Did it change? Was it easy? What are some thought, general thoughts you had about, about translating?
3: The specificity that you have to be with, like, actual audio cues and, like, what you can hear and can't hear is, like, definitely, like, different in a learning curve. Because as a playwright, I like to be, like, kind of loose, technical people. Use your artistry. You figure it out. But you do have to with audio. you got to be specific and you can't do that. You figure it out.
1: Yeah. Coming from a film background, it's interesting because film is obviously a visual language. And I tend to, no matter what I'm writing, I tend to see it in my head. And so I'm like transcribing something that's happening visually in my head. And I would do that a little bit with my drafts, but then have to go back and be like, okay, how do I describe orally what is happening in my head visually? What might this sound like? What might it sound like to somebody who's a listener? And that was another thing for which the Zoom call with the actors was super helpful, too, was there were certain parts in the script where I realized, like, oh, that really needs to have an audio cue. Mm -hmm. Because not looking at it, and not even reading the script, I can't tell what's happening. Or it, it also opened up some really interesting places of h- how does this feeling sound? <laughs> you know, what is happening in the environment that we can include in the audio that you can't necessarily do in another format?
0: Yeah. And this is kind of a home based drama. We moved it out of Amy's home as, as the season continued. But it started in her home because it started as a play, like a stage play in my mind part of what I was hoping that we would do as a group was get, get out of the house and go out into the real world where we wouldn't have to worry about the budget of <laughs> paying mm-hmm. for, you know, all the extras <laughs> and all the locations and and that sort of thing. But we'll have to be built with a soundscape. But even within the home, there is the world of sound and how can that reach its fullness? That is, and that's a consideration as well.
2: I thought you gave us really good direction, Tamara, as far as reminding us to drop in those breadcrumbs of just little sound things. So like the sound that a spray bottle makes or the sound of coins hitting a table or, you know, just all those little things that, you know, we don't have to be so cognizant of if we're writing for the stage or for screen. For me, it's like, remember, they can't see facial expressions. So you have to communicate that in other ways. And also, I mean, this isn't necessarily my role on this piece, but because Juliana and I are both musicians, you know, we have places in the script where certain musical themes could be repeated but in a different style so mm. you know for example like the example that i think of is arrested development they have a couple little musical themes and it might be with a pipe organ or a mariachi band or whatever depending on the scenario that they're in and so we could have you know there's room for that in here of that being on the the music at the grocery store or in a punk rock bar or mm. on the car radio. So I, I really love those kind of sound gag, for lack of a better term, but just things that the more you know the story, you're like, oh, it's that song again. Only this time it's in different, you know, I think that's just another layer for the listener.
0: Which I would never think of because I'm not a musician, and mostly, I just want to listen to silence these days. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs>
0: so I, if if it weren't for you, there would be no music. You know what I mean? And that's what I mean about about having more people involved because it just it's just more complex in the best kind of way. Any last thoughts that you would like to share about what you learned, what you hope will happen, anything we missed?
1: I just feel so grateful to have done this with all of you. It was such a great experience. I feel like I'm a little spoiled for future collaborative writing experiences, to be honest. It was really challenging in a lot of ways, but also the kind of challenge that you want to have, not challenging in the sense that it was like, oh God, this, this thing, but it was like, here's this thing I get to do. Here's this problem I get to try to solve. And especially this year, having something like that to work on a little bit was really kind of a life raft and I just appreciated it so much.
0: And you're doing a ton of writing right now anyway, right? I
1: sure am trying to. Yeah, I'm working on a feature script right now that I'm also gonna be having a Zoom reading for soon. So yeah, I guess I better finish it before then, huh? You will. It's like Katie was saying, those deadlines. Good deadlines. Yeah, yeah that's right. Well
0: you have to invite people to the party and then you know, that that always kicks things into high gear for me.
3: Other thoughts? Katie Mara, I am excited to like in in the in the future hear people audition for it and maybe read it. I think that would be cool. I I really enjoyed the reading because it like felt more real, but I, it was really cool to work on it.
0: You know what I loved about the reading so much is that it felt like it was a thing.
3: I was like, oh my gosh,
0: we wrote something that's actually <laughs> a thing. Like it has legs. People laughed at the appropriate moments. You know, it's like, oh, it's not just the four of us in a room thinking how cool we are that we get to write in this story and we're trading Google Docs and all that kind of stuff. It was like, oh, this is a piece that other people have an interest in. They're taking it seriously. They're trying to figure it out, you know, and that was such a shot in the arm for me. It's such a validation of like, all right, it's not solely in your mind. It's actually could be out there in the world and
1: people might even really enjoy it. Totally. It was so gratifying f- to have the actors ask a bunch of questions, after, like excitedly, like what happens with this? And what's going on with that? And that's the feeling you really want a listener to have at the end of a season too, I think. So yeah, that was super gratifying.
2: And I loved how, I mean, again, this is in retrospect, but how quickly it seems like it all came together. You know, once we got going and we just sort of had our steady deadlines, our steady meetings. Of all right, by the time we get together next month, we're going to talk about this and that. You know, and here we are, and it's a year later, and we've got the whole season. You know, and we've had it for months already. So, right. you know, and in addition, I think you kind of touched on this earlier, Tamara, but the switching it from a stage play to an audio drama—like, talk about opening up your world and your possibilities. You know, now. There, there's limits in some ways, and then there it's unlimited in other ways. You can take her anywhere. You can, you can. The location could be anywhere. She could be doing anything as long as you can communicate it through sound. So, you know, I, I really love that element of it. That it does take away some of the constraints of being in a room (laughs) you know one room Mm -hmm. and trying to and trying to make that real enough for people to be able to to suspend their disbelief yeah I'm excited I I really hope we can keep going yeah here's to season two once
0: we can get ourselves (laughs) to that point (laughs) thank you all so much for being wonderful writers and wonderful humans And I really appreciate you. I look forward to what we're going to make next. Thank you so
1: much for trusting us with your baby.
0: Yes. The New Colossus is a dark comedy reboot of Chekhov's classic play, The Seagull. Now, if you're a theater person, you might be thinking, everyone does the seagull. To you, I say, not like this. If you're not a theater person, then you're thinking, what the heck is the seagull? To you, I say, drama, big, huge family drama. Our contemporary adaptation with immersive sound design tackles questions of youth and aging, art and ambition, and what it means to dream in the face of failure. A six-part series that features original music and a fabulous team based out of North Carolina, The New Colossus. A family of frustrated, attention-starved artists flocks to the seashore. One of them has a gun. What could possibly go wrong?